Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hey, this is uh, Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. My guest is Kurt Schmidinger. Uh, he's uh, a part of futurefood.orgs. We're going to be talking about uh, getting meat to people without uh, you know, having to slaughter animals to do it, which is a very interesting premise. So, Kurt, how are you doing? Yeah, fine. Hello, hello. Hello, everybody. Yeah. So, um, what, what made you decide to uh, try to find a way to get meat to people without you know, slaughtering animals? Is it because you love animals, or is it because that livestock take tremendous amounts of resources, or are you a, a secret vegetarian? You know, what, what's the reason? Uh, initially, initially, I haven't been a vegetarian, so therefore it cannot be that I... That is just something that became later on because of the many reasons. Um, yeah, it was, it, was diff- it was kind of a mixture of, of, of everything. Um, I came across some um, factory farming practices on animals. I didn't like that at all. I was very uh, shocked the way we keep the animals, and, and it's not a small problem. It's um, you know it affects globally affects like 65 billion billions of them. But that was in the early 90s, um, and I and at that time I, I did my study in geophysics, so that had nothing to do with um, with all these um, animal welfare issues, and therefore I. I came across the fact that um, anim- the livestock is not just um, a major threat to the animals or maybe to human health, which I found out later on, but it's also, I came across uh, the problems it, it means for the environment. It's the biggest uh, destructor of rainforest, it's the biggest polluter of water, the biggest water user globally. It's um, a huge contributor to um, climate change and many more. And um, and so geophysics is part of it is meteorology and climatology and, and I did but but by this time I also had I had to do with um, climate change and therefore I focused um, more on on these environmental issues um, because it fit it fitted better to my to what I was doing so so my approach was an ecological approach and um, an animal welfareist approach. Okay. And later on, also a health-related approach and, and a world nutrition approach. So um, this this topic covers quite quite many issues, and therefore I chose I chose it as my main uh, topic for yeah, because it's yeah it affects so many different areas. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, um, what is the premise of Future Food? How are you going to uh, attack this problem? something to replace the to replace the problem you know to it's not just convincing people to act differently but it's more like um how can we how can we find replacements to so that people don't have to renounce something you know they don't have to you don't have to change their behavior it's just you, you get them that where they are it's just like if you want to get rid of slavery and you have um let's say you have uh, agricultural machines 
it's much easier to convince people that uh, you know slaves are not necessary to bring in the harvest if you have an alternative. And I thought it might be easier to replace uh, to to get away from these livestock practices if we have uh, alternatives at hand. And by the time uh, I had the idea to to produce some to make something like future food that was in the 90s I, I didn't even know that there was something like clean meat you know like lab grown meat already on the way because there was that was a time before the internet but I had this idea that uh, one day we could uh, produce meat without um, using the, an entire animal for that but just taking cells and and making the meat what you really want without the sentient being and without all these, um, you know, these calories which are lost in the metabolism of an animal. <laughs> um, and par in parallel, I thought that uh, we might get a plant-based alternative. That was already available in the 90s, you know, some plant-based alternatives to uh, animal products. And I thought these should be improved so that they really can compete with uh, animal products in terms of, um, in terms of, the way they taste in terms of um, saturation feeling and, um, and and the way you have the, the mouth feel and all these things. And okay. yeah, that was the basic idea. And then later on, in, in as you know, at the turns of the century, at the millennium, I found, you know, then the search engines in the internet became better. I found out that I was not alone with all these ideas. That there were already some other people, or even Winston Churchill uh, predicted that uh, one day we might not breed a chicken. If we just want to eat a chicken breast, we might make it more reasonable and, and more efficient than we do. And that is um, that was very interesting for me. That was like a, a milestone that I found out that there were some people on this planet, not many, but just some. They had similar ideas, and, and so that was not just insanity. Of myself, it was uh, something which could become reality. And what we what we had in the last two decades was that we really made huge steps towards this mission. So, what what do you think is going to be the uh, the way to you know wean people off of meat? Is it going to be three D printing meat? Is it going to be uh, you know convincing people to uh, you know eat vegetables instead? I mean, what do you think will be the the way that it'll work? Well, it's, it will be a mixture. The more alternatives we have, the better it is. But uh, I think it's just with just to convince them um, from a let's say a rational or or an ethical or whatever reasonable point of view, that might not be uh, successful. So therefore, um, if you don't want to run into some catastrophes, um, we I think the best way to go is to improve the alternatives, and that's that's what future food the future food mission is. And uh, I have to say that of course there are now there are many other organizations which are much bigger, and I cooperate with them, and they 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 are on the same mission. So it was just initially future food was quite one of the pioneers in this field, but nowadays it's we're just a small one small one among many others. But um, that's the way. What we focus on—it's not not convincing people with um, ethical, ecological, or whatever reasons, which is also very, very uh, important. But uh, our way is to produce alternatives which um, could one day be superior to the 
to the things we want to replace, and if it's superior, I, I guess that people will switch over. Yeah. Even if they don't, um, you know, sympathize with uh, whatever veganism, vegetarianism, um, ethics, animal welfare ethics, uh, ecological um, considerations, or whatever. So that is the way we go, and um, yeah, I think we are on the way, and I think during our talk we will talk about um, what's, what has happened in the last two decades. And, yeah. yeah, well, what, right, what is, what's happened recently in the, uh, in the world of uh, procuring meat, what's different about it, and are we headed <coughs> even faster down the wrong path, or are things coming around? Well, so what has happened in the, in the last, last time? Yeah, well, first of all, um, there are two separate fields, or at least two. The one is the plant-based alternatives, and the other one is, um, you know, producing. Re the, the one thing is producing something which is similar to meat, uh, milk, and and eggs, and the other thing is to produce something which is identical, but just with leaving out uh, more or less identical. It's real meat, it's real milk protein, or it's real egg protein, but just leaving out the animals from from the production. And um, so if I if I go to the first thing I call vegetarian, to or let's say plant-based alternatives to animal products, uh, we got we got new plants on the on the market. Many people have heard probably in the U.S. have heard about the big U.S. startups Beyond Meat or Impossible Foods, and um, you see that even big meat corporations start to invest into these um, startups and in these projects because obviously they see that this could be a threat to um, maybe a threat or whatever uh, or a chance um, to compete with meat from animal from animals derived from animals and uh, they don't want to miss this opportunity and they don't want to be the one um, who are disrupted they want to be part of the disruption that's an quotation. Yeah, that is the one thing which happens, and um, you see that uh, the volume of investment is getting higher and higher. It's already many um, millions which are invested. It's hundreds of millions for something possible. Foods got from different, uh, from Bill Gates, from from various meat companies or or agricultural corporations, and in parallel you have. Um, Clean meat, cut meat, or in vitro meat—it's all the same. It's just different, uh, different words for for the same issue. Um, you have um, these plant-based, uh, these um, cell-produced meats, which are more or less real meat, but they could be a superior meat for the future. It's uh, made from animal cells, which grow in in media. Um, in some so-called bioreactor or whatever that is, it could be like a brewer in a brewery. Uh, it's like maybe similar to when you brew look similar, and they, then you would brew um, sticks to be somewhere. And um, you see uh, lots of progress and in terms of investments. So initially there was investments like. Vitro meat burger, the first meat burger that was ever um, produced, was in 2013 for 250,000 US dollar. Uh, was funded. It was presented by 
in the Netherlands or in London, but from a Dutch professor called Mark Post, and he was supported by the Google founder Sergey Brin. And nowadays you see much higher investments um, in in the leading companies like Memphis Meats, for example, which are based in California. And um, yeah, there you see um, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, and Cargill Foods, and also Tyson Foods, for example, uh, who invest into these startups, and they just wanna don't wanna miss this opportunity if this really becomes um, reality. The main thing is the question if this can really compete with uh, animal meat is, is if it's possible to produce meat in this way. You take cells from an animal and you harvest, you harvest them and, and then you brew them in uh, culture media. Ooh. And the thing is, can, can you do that in the same at the same price as you do industrial livestock farming. And if this is possible, then I think this has a good chance. At first sight, maybe not. People think, oh, this could be something, I don't know, unnatural maybe. But um, on the other hand, you could produce, first of all, the way we produce meat nowadays is also very unnatural. It's nothing to do with uh, naturalness if you look at the uh, industrial livestock practices. But... Um, the advantage of clean meat, of this cultured meat, could be that um, you produce meat which is low in cholesterol, it could be um, high in omega-3s, it could be low in saturated fatty acids, it could be something which is not available in nature, which is very fancy. You could make like a crocodile, um, kangaroo, penguin, mix. Or whatever, but you could do that without harming the animals, all these animals, and you could do fancy things, and you could make real healthy meat, which is not available now. It's and because you leave out all the ingredients, which are which are the ones which are not in favor of our health, and you improve um, the ingredients, or you increase the ingredients which are healthy, like the omega threes, for example. That could be possible, and if you really do that in this way, and you produce fancy mixes, and you know, it's just like then you get you convince people that it's just like like brewing beer in the, in a brewery. It's just like brewing steak in a brewery. Um, I think this could this could succeed. Um, so yeah, what that's what are some of the hurdles to uh, to creating meat? You know, in the lab, uh, what you know, texture, taste. Um, you know, all those things. I mean, how hard would it be to grow meat and make it so that it's, you know, people will be willing to eat it and it tastes good enough or close enough to the actual thing? Well, this is, I think taste is, taste is not the, the main issue. The main issue is, it could be an issue that you have the, you know, the texture of a steak, for example, that could be more difficult to, to produce a burger or a sausage is not, is not a big issue. But the thing is, uh, can you produce it at the same price as industrial livestock farming is um, acting at currently? That, that's the main thing, I think. If you can do that, and I think taste will not be the issue. And texture, maybe. Um, initially, it, can, it would be different, uh, difficult to, to make a steak, but I think um, but it's not dif- difficult to produce a burger, as I mentioned. Um, 
Right, so you all right, so you said the easier the first things we'll probably see are burgers and uh, hot dogs and things like that. And yeah. people already yeah. people already accuse hot dogs of being made of, you know, God knows what. But um how far along have you seen this technology? Is it you know, literally can you create a burger that you cannot tell is different from uh you know, regular meat or and uh, what's the approximate pricing right now? <laughs> okay. The price is the main issue. Um, currently, we are about uh, maybe for just a chicken meatball, we are maybe around 50 uh, US dollar, which is far, of course, far from where we have to go, but it's still far down from 250,000 US dollar for the first burger. Um, so we are just in the middle between where we started in 2013 and where we have to go finally to compete with. Um, yeah, with meat from animals. Um, I cannot really predict when it's going to happen. You know, these companies, these startups like um, like Memphis Meat, for example, or right. or, or others. Um, they they um, sometimes they you know they predict very short term um, dates for when they go live and when they go go to market. Uh, just because, uh, yeah, just because they think they can do it, and maybe just because they they want to attract, um, you know, they want to attract um, sponsors. Um, right. But I think the re- a realistic term might be like five years, maybe. That is just a guess. Five years so that we are ready for the market, also in terms of price, and then. Of course, it still continues, you know, you're still developing, you're still developing, you have the first prototypes. To, to really go live, I think you can also start with a prototype which is uh, more expensive than uh, meat from livestock. If you make something very fancy and you get, you know, like, let's say some celebrities to eat it just for the, you know, just for the, the public effect and, and just for the public presentations. And then later on in parallel, you try to get down with the price and to reach the mass market that uh, is really hard to predict still because there are some some issues still open and it's uh, especially it's about the media where the cells grow and it's about the growth factors which tell the cells that they should become muscle cells and and so it's the signaling molecules and um this is still something where you have to find cheaper alternatives than what is available nowadays and that is the crucial thing you cannot predict exactly when this is going to be solved it's just a research issue right. but i'm i'm optimistic that one day we we will make it and if we come up with a meat which is superior in terms of not just in ethical terms or in ecological terms but also in terms of uh, nutritional value as I mentioned, leave out, leave out the things you don't want to have and add the things you want to have, uh, which is much easier compared to uh, meat from animal animals, um, then I think we will make it. Well, I mean, we already have a market for pasture-raised beef, organic yep. beef, that kind of thing, and those tend to come at higher prices. I mean, there's still a big price differential, but it sounds like that'll be the first part of the market that it hits. So, you know, people that have more money and are really concerned about not getting hormones or antibiotics or other problems and being humane to animals may first choose, uh, you know, 
to pay double or triple for their meat, and then the price may come down from there. Sounds like that's the path. Yeah, yeah, it has to be because it, as the price comes from up, up downwards, you can start with pet food or whatever. You know, I sometimes I read such ideas that we might start with pet food or something like that. Uh, there's another way. We have we come from from a high-priced product, and uh, yeah, we have to start with something which is really fancy, and maybe this should be something like it could also be something like foie gras, for example, something which is expensive anyway, and it's cruelly produced nowadays and all of a sudden you produce it in a humane way and it's um, still expensive but it's um, also from terms of health it should be uh, superior and because you mentioned health and you mentioned antibiotics these are also for reasons it's not just the personal health but uh, livestock industrial livestock also threatens global health um, you know you cannot run huge chicken barns where all the chickens live close to each other and they live in their own manure. Um, uh, you cannot keep them healthy if you don't use antibiotics. It's uh, just if one of these birds gets sick, all the birds get sick. So it, you have to use antibiotics and, and, and they are used globally. And, and if you do that all the time, you, you know, you you increase the risk of antibiotic resistance and, and if you really get to the point where bacteria are resistant to all known antibiotics then you yeah, that that would be a big problem for for global health situation for humans so that this is also something which is threatening and this is part of the industrial livestock system and which can be overcome with um, ideas like clean meat or of course with plant-based alternatives and also the risk of new pandemics so if you take the pandemics of the recent uh, decades or recent half, half a century most of them come out of industrial livestock systems and, and the risk that we get a really big pandemic which could really um, endanger the human race is not predictable. It's, I cannot say this or that are the chances for, for this, but the potential highest risk is uh, again uh, industrial livestock. And yeah, but also, you can get rid, you you know, can get rid of it to uh, antibiotic resistance. You know, having yeah. so much of these antibiotics out there, and if, if one of these pathogens jumps from a chicken to a person, you know, like the bird flu, or I mean, we're in trouble big time. Yeah, and so therefore, these are also reasons. It's not just personal health, because we always talk, most of the time we're always talking about our personal health. I do want made true, fulfilled with um, these alternatives, but it's it's also about global health. It's global nutrition, global world nutrition. It's um, global ecological problems, and it's huge animal welfare problems. So these are all the things which are at stake, and, and these are all the things we want to we wanna solve with new technology. Well, very good. Um, so what's the best way for uh, people to find out more about, you know, futurefood.org and, uh, you know, besides going to the website and to find out more about these initiatives? Because I can see a lot of people will be very passionate about this and it's an important solution to, to create, you know. Yeah, the way is just to, to, go, to go to the website. You can also contact, there's also a contact form there. And um, I often get requests from students, for example, from younger students that want to know, 
uh, what they should, which course should they take, what should they study, and or, or from both grader age, um, where can they, they can they turn to if they want to work in clean meat field or if they want to work on, on alternatives to animal product, plant-based alternatives, all this stuff. So that's what we're doing and we're also supporting startup companies um, with ideas. So what are the technologies available, what are the best practices and um, yeah, where to get information from. But and what you also find, Future Food is more like a, a linking page. So you always find short, short texts where the issues are summarized. And then you find very many, many external links, and also external links to the other, uh, the other big um, organization which which work on, on our issues, which is, for example, New Harvest working on clean meat, or the Good Food Institute, very great organization working on clean meat as well as plant-based alternatives. And then you have um, organizations in Israel, for example, supermeat.com. And, and so and what, what, if you go to Future Food, you are also linked to all these other organizations and other, page, uh, other pages and, and other companies, companies producing all these things we talk about uh, today. And um, so this could be a good entry point to start with the investigation. Okay, very good. And uh, any good ways to uh, to contact you, or should they just go to futurefood.org? Yeah, futurefood.org, or or if you want, um, goodfoodinstitute.org, which is gfi.org. There are perfect ways to start. gfi.org is a really well done um, website, and uh, I'm also working together with them, and, and I think they are really great. They they have been formed just two or three years ago and they they really uh, they have a big team I think they have 40 people already and um, so they are they have experts in law you know they, you you have to face a few things in the in the next years at the beginning all let's say clean meat at the beginning if this was really far in the future it was all like doing research but nowadays as things get more and more realistic you have to think about is it possible to call clean meat meat? Is this legally allowed in different countries? What's the situation currently? What will be the, um, if you want to enter the markets, what, what will be the entry procedure in the European Union, in the US, or in Canada, or wherever, or in China maybe? And, and that's what they're doing as well. So they are not just uh, supporting the, or networking between the researchers, and also helping you know new researchers to get um, to get all the publicly available information. But they're also doing legal things like like the things I mentioned, and and that is really great because you have. To, and what about pat patents, for example? Would it be possible that a, a huge meat corporations uh, corporation has a patent on clean meat, and then stops this? Using this patent stops clean meat from getting to the market. Is this something which is really a, a possible threat to the to this idea, or is it not? And these are all interesting things, you know. When 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 it comes closer to market ripeness, then you have to think about all these issues, and that is beyond what Future Food can do, and that is what they do. And um, yeah, to answer the thing, it's you know they all we are very aware of all the issues I've mentioned and we are working on, on solving these 
and, and avoiding risks like I mentioned that somebody has a patent and then just um, prevents clean meat from entering the market. This is something which will not happen because yeah, yeah hopefully not. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I was gonna say earlier just to lighten the mood. Uh, you know, it's a very serious subject, very important. But um, you know, just a, a, an insider joke for you is that. You know, there's the old saying that you may not want to know how the sausage is made. So in this case, uh, that may be true, that may not be true. But just wanted to tell you. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but uh, but I think it could be also possible that um, just showing the people how it's made, it's not really, um, it's not really so different from from making a yogurt or making beer. And I think nobody has a problem with that. I think it will it will look pretty similar. Actually, it will yeah. look like a brewery or... Yeah. Well, so that that's, may, uh, I, I, think, I think that, that, that will be okay. And, um, you're right, you're right. That may be a good slogan, how the sausage is really made. You know, that would be a good slogan for winning a company. Or for maybe, maybe. But, 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 you know, usually, usually in... in uh, I'm also a food scientist and I know... I think everybody knows that you don't have to be a food scientist for that. But, uh, you know, that... The production process is never part of the advertising of or advertisement of of, of any food item. You, you never show a factory making pizza. You just show somebody, an Italian who right. puts a pizza in some oven, which is not you know not the way it's produced. It's just it gives just a lifestyle feeling. And I think lean meat will not be the exception to the rule. We will not be the ones who just show everybody the bioreactor, whereas um, the beer companies don't show the breweries, but they just show people sitting on a table and watching football or whatever. Um, that, that's also, that will also be the same with clean meat. So we will not put the production process too much into the scope, although I think we don't have to hide it. Um, that's what I think. And this might be where it is a difference to, uh, let's say, industrial livestock facilities and slaughterhouses. I think they have to hide it because oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. people really like to see it. So yeah. it could be an advantage, but I think we won't use it. We won't show the bioreactors or the big brewery tanks. Uh, we will just, when it comes to clean meat and market ripeness, so we will. I think advertising will be in a different way. Very good. Well, this was a great, uh, great interview. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, and uh, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.